Thank you, Southwestern Acapella, uh, for leading us in worship this morning. And also, a personal thank you for not using what you know about me against me uh, this morning. Uh, Southwestern Acapella has been to First Baptist Farmersville and has led us in worship there. And uh, they know of a song that they sang uh, at, that, uh, at that service, at our 8.30 service at FEC Farmersville, that just tears me up uh, with the beauty of it and the grandeur of God. And it took three minutes for me to regain my composure and start preaching. And so they could have torpedoed me this morning uh, as I got up here to preach, and they chose not to do so. And so I just want to thank you guys for that. So many friends and and, uh, and servants about whom I have great hope who were up here leading us in worship today. Dr. Lewis, thank you uh, so much. Where'd you go? There you are. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of leading us in worship today and for your great ministry through that group and other things you do here. Uh, it's good to see you. So many friends who are out here seated in the seats in front of me and uh, it's always a delight uh, to come uh, here to this place that has been so pivotally important for me at many times in my life, and not just for me, but for my family. We came uh, last night, and my daughter, as we went into the Riley Center, said, it's like being home again, uh, because, uh, because they've been here with me for various things down through the years. And so today, uh, I'm privileged to be able to come and to share with you. I hope that you brought your Bibles with you. And it would be great if you would open them or your device uh, and if you would find Galatians chapter 6. And uh, I just want to share one sentence today, one verse from out of Galatians chapter 6. It's verse 9, uh, and um, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read. Uh, I'm going to read from the New American Standard uh, Bible this morning, uh, and don't tell Lifeway um, that I did that. And uh, I hope that you'll follow along with whatever translation you've brought. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Uh, Father, open your word to us and help us to understand it today as we ponder it for the next few moments. By the aid of your spirit, we can both see what you're saying and be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we consider this verse, uh, it's something that I need every day of my life. And uh, if you don't need it every day of your life, just wait. Uh, life will come at you in such a way that, the, that this wisdom is wisdom that will lead you through. In your personal life, uh, whether it's finances or relationships or family, uh, worried about your parents or your children, or if you've hit that sweet spot in life where you get to worry about both at the same time, your parents and your children, uh, the, uh, the fact of the matter is life will give you reason to have to persevere and fight, not to lose hope and not to grow weary. And I'd like for us to consider very good reasons for us to be people who persevere through trying times. First of all, uh, I'd like to point out to you uh, that uh, we should not lose heart because of the fact that we're doing something that is good. What is the good thing that's being accomplished here uh, in Galatians 6 that we're told not to lose heart in doing? The, the word good appears through this passage quite a bit. Uh, starting in verse 6, it says, the one who's taught the word is to share all good things 
with the one who teaches him. Uh, and then uh, we're told that we're supposed to be sowing uh, to things that are good. Uh, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The verse that we've looked at, not lose heart in doing good. And then in verse 10, it says, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The fact is, in what we've read just briefly, there are good things that happen in our teaching and learning. There are good things that happen in our fellowship with one another. And there are good things that happen through our determination to be good and work good for fellow pilgrims on this journey to heaven. And so, I've made it my determination to work as little bad as possible and to work as much good as possible. And listen, that's no small thing because we emerge from the womb equipped to do bad. We are constantly presented with the opportunity to do bad, not even because we're malevolent, but just because we're fallen and imperfect. Um, I have started, if any of you follow me, follow me on Twitter, first of all, I apologize. And secondly, you're aware of the fact that I have started kind of going back to my agricultural roots from uh, where I grew up and what my grandparents did. And, and I've got a little bit of land and I got a tractor and I've got some cows and I'm out there doing things on that land. And I was a, I, when I was in high school, I was in the FFA. I've got a blue corduroy jacket somewhere that I don't need to know where it is because it doesn't fit anymore. Uh, but uh, I, that's, that's where I learned how to tie a tie, not at church. I learned how to tie a tie in FFA in order to put on FFA official dress in the summer outside in a corduroy jacket. That's, that's difficult, uh, difficult calling no matter what your age is. And one of the things that they did that I remember in ag classes was to show you all the ways that a tractor could maim you for life. Videos, any of you see any of those videos? The PTO going and they've got the little dummy, uh, you know, that they're, that they're putting who's wearing loose clothing and they put him up close to that PTO shaft and it grabs hold and bam, it just tears him into pieces all over the place. And I was made to be a true believer of the dangers of farm life. And so when we entered into this little enterprise to have a few cattle out in Merritt, Texas, as we started to do that, I took my son aside and said, I need to explain to you about how dangerous all this stuff is, how it can destroy you. What they did not tell me in ag class was all the ways that I could destroy the equipment. <laughs> you have no idea how much stuff I've broken in a year. In fact, I, the, uh, it's not just that I have the John Deere field service tech on speed dial. They've got me on speed dial. They just, they just reach out once a week and say, need anything this week for us to come out and fix something because I'm constantly 
breaking something. No lie, I just got the tailgate on my truck repaired and three days later broke it again where I'm gonna have to get another one. The fact is, even when we're trying not to do harm, because we are fallen and imperfect, we lack wisdom, we lack efficiency, we are people who do bad and leave bad in our wake in spite of ourselves and sometimes on purpose. And so that's why it's such a precious gift that God empowers and equips us to do some good. How beautiful it is to think that God has made you to be someone who could do some good things while you're here. Many of your parents, God has given you a child. And there are so many ways to mess up a child. And yet, with God's help and with his power and wisdom and encouragement in your life, you can do good things for a human being who grows up in your midst. Even when they see everything that's wrong with you. Even when they, even when they are unimpressed with you when you think they should be impressed with you. Even when you've tried your hardest and still come short. By the grace and blessing and mercy of God, you can do good there. Many of you are in ministry in a church. And most of you, I hope, will be if you're not. And in that context, when you leave it all on the field, and you sacrifice and weep and struggle because you are finite, because no matter how much you're a shepherd, you never stop being a sheep, because of all of those things, you will harm people. Some people do it on purpose, need to be removed from ministry. But everybody does it a little bit at some point along the way, just from what you don't know. That's not surprising. Look at who we are. What's beautiful and surprising and miraculous and incomprehensible are the ways that you will discover that God has used you to do something that is good and eternal in spite of yourself and because of his glory and because he chose in his wisdom and in his plan to take beautiful tasks that he could accomplish all by himself and to say, let's let these people help. Let's let them have a hand in it. Let's let them celebrate the joy of it to see the good that can be done through people who are touched by me. How amazing it is that we are able to do good 
don't take it for granted. And listen, the other thing that we're told here is that in doing good, time will come that we're able to reap. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Harvest is pretty amazing. Planting, agriculture, the whole thing. Pretty amazing if you think about it. It's easy to take for granted, but don't take it for granted. We are the only creature on this planet that does not survive just based on what comes to us or what we can go out and find. We are the only creature on this planet that says, it's springtime, I'm gonna make sure something grows up here that I can eat later on. I'm gonna till this ground, I'm gonna plant seed, I'm gonna remove the weeds, I'm gonna get everything ready so that down the road when I know I'm gonna be hungry someday, down the road I'm gonna make sure that there is something here for me to eat. And so we know what it is to work in hope of a harvest and in desperation for what we know will happen to us if we do not have a harvest. And so driven by, in parallel, fear of hunger and hope of eating, the farmer goes out into the field and tills up the dirt and plants the seed and in expectation waits for the harvest. And God says that what we're doing when he is using us to do good things in ministry and in life is similar to that. We are people who know what our needs are in the future and we work to make sure they'll be met with God's grace by doing things that are good, that, that promote the eternal good of the gospel in other people around us. That harvest comes later. It requires faith and hope to see it. It comes imperfectly. It comes, we read in another passage that I almost preached this morning, even when there are tares sown in the midst of the wheat, still a harvest comes of good things that we'll be able to enjoy and be nourished by. Harvest always comes. Planting can be tough. If you've ever watched Little House on the Prairie, you know that that's true. Always, constantly, every episode, three of you apparently have watched Little House on the Prairie. None of the rest of you. You're all too young. This is the curse of being a preacher. All your best illustrations go stale. Nobody relates to them anymore as you get a little bit older. But, you know, it's basically, it was a show on television written from a series of books that, uh, talk about agricultural life and, and about how often every year seems like something happened to destroy the crop of the Ingalls family. There's always some calamity that rests just a, a day away. And, um, and planting can be that way. And yet people are still here. Drought has been coming for centuries. People are still here. Bugs and Fungus and weeds have been around since Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. And yet people are still here. 
And that's because even in the midst of the trials and adversaries, by God's grace, there's enough in the harvest to keep us going. You got a little bit of my resume earlier. Thank you so much, Dr. Dockery. Far, far too kind uh, of, a, uh, of an introduction of me. Um, I do, I'm a two-time graduate of Southwestern Seminary. Let me fill in the blanks for you. I came to school here at first in 1992. Russell Dilday was the president of this institution. While I was an MDiv student, the Dilday presidency ended. And the Hemphill presidency at Southwestern began on that, that, on, in the midst of my time here. I will never forget that. He had Ricky Skaggs come to his inauguration and people were dancing out on the grass out here, cutting a rug uh, to some good old bluegrass music. Um, I finished my MDiv, went home, came back, started my PhD work, and just as I finished PhD seminars, the Hemphill presidency came to an end. And while I was working on my dissertation, Dr. Patterson came to be president of Southwestern Seminary. Finished my dissertation. I wound up on the board of trustees, served 10 years on the board of trustees for this institution until Southern Baptist had the good sense to take it away from people like me and give it to Danny and uh, folks like him. And, um, and while I was a trustee here at Southwestern Seminary, the Patterson presidency came to an end. And Dr. Greenway came to be president of this institution. And now I'm president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And another presidency has ended here at Southwestern Seminary. And it's been hard. Through all of that, it has been hard. Think about that collection of people for a moment. Dilday, Hemphill, Patterson, Greenway. I dare to say to you that there is not one person who has ever drawn breath in the history of mankind who agreed with all four of those people. It's okay to laugh at that. You can laugh at that. <laughs> not one human being in all of that time. But let me tell you something that I've come to realize as I've thought back on all of it. Every one of those people played a part and planted seeds in the Southwestern experience that has shaped me into who I am. Shaped me through good times, shaped me through trials. And not just me, you could look at that and say, how much, how much turmoil, how much trouble, how much difficulty over the course of time that you've been here? Bart, is it you? Are you the problem? <laughs> but look at how much good 
the people who have been produced out of this institution in that time frame, the people who have served in this institution during that time frame, timeless servants of the Lord like Jack Perry, exciting new faces like Madison Grace, graduate of this institution and a teacher here, people who were mentors of mine and then friends like Malcolm Yarnell. Not to mention the students who didn't wind up on faculty but who went around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who are lost, who went around the world to go into established churches and to plant new churches and to do it in ways that literally change eternity every day. The secret of good farming is not to focus so much on the weeds you have to hoe out of a place here and there and the calluses on your hands as you pick cotton. secret to good farming is always to see the harvest, never to lose sight of the truth of reaping and to be motivated and rejoice in that. And so the encouragement that we have is to persevere and not to grow weary. And listen, there's a difference between being tired and being weary. There's a profound difference between being tired and being weary. Um, when I was uh, nearly finished at Baylor University, which is where I went before I came here, uh, I had the bad luck of the draw one winter at the end of the fall semester uh, to wind up with a, with a final that was on the last day of finals. You know, you always want to be the guy whose final, you hate that guy whose finals are finished in like the first two days of finals. You want to throw darts at that guy's picture. And the worst thing that can happen to you is if you have finals all the way through until the end. I had a Saturday final on the Saturday before Christmas. And so at First Baptist Waco, where I met my wife and where, uh, I, was, where I was volunteering at that time and was a member, um, they said, would you teach college Sunday school that Sunday because everybody else is gone and somebody's got to do something for the three students who will still be in town to go to Sunday school on that day. Will you teach Sunday school? And I said, well, why not? I've got a final the day before, and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to come and teach Sunday school. So, uh, so because um, unlike all of you, I sometimes procrastinated in preparing for my tests. Because of that, I spent two entire days without sleep preparing for a Greek final. And then after the Greek final, I had to prepare for a, a final in Paul and his writings. And from Robert Sloan was my professor. And uh, so I was trying to get ready for that test. And after all of that was done, I'd finished all of my studying. I thought, okay, hey, it's Saturday. I haven't slept since Thursday. I'm just gonna chill out here and get a lot of rest and then tomorrow morning I'll teach Sunday school. 
And as I, chilling out meant turning on the TV. And when I did, in the day before, you know, you had access to the internet and stuff like that, and I hadn't been paying attention, that was when I learned about the winter storm that was coming that had promised to put ice on every road all the way from Waco to where I grew up in Northeast Arkansas. And I actually called the state police and asked, hey, what do you think is gonna happen with this storm? And I hope they fired this guy because this is the worst advice that you could give. A guy at state police said to me, if you wanna get home by Christmas, you need to leave in the next three hours. So with no sleep for three days, I loaded up into my car and started on the nine-hour drive to go to Northeast Arkansas all through the night and into the, the, the glow of sunrise, I drove. And I've never been that tired and hope I will never again be as tired as I was in that drive. I was so tired that in my effort to stay awake, with the window down in the winter, with you know cold air coming in and the radio turned on loud and I'm trying to sing, I got so tired that I hallucinated that I was still awake while my eyes closed until I heard gravel kicking up under the car. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna pull over and I'm going to try once more to see if I can drink coffee, because I hate coffee. Coffee is bitter water for bitter people in bitter times. It's, I, I despise coffee. But it was a bitter time and I was feeling sort of bitter and so I thought, I'll give this a try and I stopped at the gas station and I got a cup of coffee, I took one sip, spit it out, threw it away and called somebody from home. Uh, to drive and meet me the rest of the way and bring me on in on that Sunday morning to get me home, okay? Um, I was very, very tired, but I was not weary. Even at my tiredest moment, I was excited to get home because I was out of underwear. <laughs> and mom would do my laundry, I knew. So I was excited, and I knew mom would feed me, and I had been surviving on cafeteria food. And I knew that they weren't going to put a Greek test in front of me. I wasn't going to have to conjugate anything <laughs> or decline anything whenever I got home. I, I, I was tired, but in no way weary of the journey. And it is okay for you to be tired. Tired comes at you biologically just from the circumstances of life. The circumstances of life can make you tired. But you get to choose whether you're gonna be weary or not. We are commanded by the Lord not to grow weary in the good that we're doing. Not to lose heart. Not to lose sight of the wonder of it all that God would count you worthy and put you into ministry and let you do things that change the world. And so in the midst of your fatigue, in the moments of your discouragement because of what that church meeting did yesterday when you wanted it to go one way and it went another way, 
in the midst of your discouragement because Saturday night in your mind, that sermon was amazing, but Sunday morning on your lips, it was barely mediocre. Even in the times when you are so tired because it's been a three funeral week and you had a paper due and you still have to preach on Sunday morning. Even when you are tired, never grow weary because home is on the horizon and God will clean whatever you've gotten dirty and he will feed you food that nourishes you forever. And we will sing eternally of the good that he has done. Will you pray with me?